A carriage approaches to take you into the boundless realm of the supernatural. Hello? Moreno, the code word for the next shipment is elephant. Oh, pish posh. We'll merely invite this lovely audience to be our guests for dinner. I've got a whole new act in a 3D movie. Just wait here. I'll get him. Okay, Ellie, crank it up, because we're getting ready to rock on this exclusive live broadcast. W Radio. Your information station. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show. Your Walt Disney World Information Station. This is show number 73 for the week of June 29th, 2008. As always, I am your host, Lou Mangello, and I want to thank you for tuning in once again. In this week's Walt Disney World news, I'll let you know about the breaking news and big changes and additions that are coming to Disney's Pleasure Island. With the Adventureland CD release coming very soon, this week I'm going to take a look at my top 10 favorite things in Adventureland with Tim Foster. Not just attractions or food, there's so much to enjoy in this land, and hopefully we'll point out just a few things that you might enjoy. And of course, there will be some food in there as well. Justin Machoni, Disney's first chief magic official, joins me once again this week to update us on what life has been like as Disney's first CMO, what he's been doing, and just a bit of the magic he's been making. And he'll even give us a hint of what's next for him as well. In just a few weeks, the DisneyWorldTrivia.com Dream Team Project will hold its third annual auction at Magic Meets, and this week, I spent some time with some of the auction volunteers as we prepare for what's going to be our biggest and best event ever. In addition to giving recognition and thanks to those people behind the scenes, we also talk about a few of the exciting lots up for auction this year and how you can help even if you can't attend. So as always, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. In this week's Walt Disney World news, the big story is that the Orlando Sentinel is reporting that the six nightclubs in Pleasure Island are soon going to shut down as Walt Disney World is going to redevelop that part of downtown Disney. That area has always been aimed squarely at adults, although children have recently been allowed in this section of the downtown Disney area. The clubs that are going to be closing include the BET Soundstage, Mannequin's Dance Palace, 8-Tracks, and three others that are going to close on or about September 27th of this year. Over the next couple of years, Disney's going to reopen this area with a broader mix of restaurants and shops and are going to be aimed at a much broader family market. The 19-year-old Pleasure Island has gone through some other changes through the years, but nothing on this level, and that the entire landscape and theme are really going to be changed quite dramatically. Disney's calling this, quote, a bold new vision for all of downtown Disney, and that it's in response to guest requests for more broad-based dining and retail opportunities throughout the 120-acre area. Although Pleasure Island is located between two other dining, shopping, and entertainment areas known as the Marketplace and Westside, Pleasure Island's location has always been somewhat in question as it's really been directed towards young adults and for many years didn't allow children to access the area at all. Now certain businesses on Pleasure Island such as Raglan Road, Fuego by Sosa Cigars, Curl by Sammy Duval, and the new Orlando Harley-Davidson store as well as the outdoor food and beverage locations 
are going to remain open during the transition, but more importantly, a lot of new venues are going to be added to the landscape and offerings. Over the next year, in addition to new shops, dining experiences, and clubs, Downtown Disney is even going to get its own iconic attraction, which is going to be in the form of a giant tethered balloon that's going to take guests 300 feet into the air to get incredible views of Walt Disney World. This is going to be very similar to Disneyland Paris's Panora Magique. Other new experiences include, in fall 2008, T-Rex, a prehistoric family adventure, is going to open, which is going to be a dinosaur-themed family restaurant and interactive playground for adults and kids. Also this fall, a design-your-own t-shirt store from Hanes is going to give guests another way to truly personalize their vacation merchandise. Now, as rumored earlier, eBrand's restaurant is going to open its newest concept in downtown Disney in spring 2009. That's going to be a high-energy, casual eatery. It's going to feature authentic Central and South American cuisine, specialty drinks, and live music on the waterfront. There's also discussion of new shopping experiences leading to much anticipation and speculation among Disney fans. Other locations are also going to be rethemed and enhanced, including the Portobello Yacht Club, which is going to be transformed into a Tuscan country trattoria this summer. The new menu is going to have authentic Italian dishes and signature favorites, as well as a completely redesigned interior and outdoor dining space. Goofy's Candy Company is going to get a special new room that's going to let families host one-of-a-kind birthday parties in downtown Disney starting this fall. The Marketplace Stage is going to be completely replaced with a larger covered stage also this fall. That's going to welcome even more entertainment to downtown Disney. It's also going to be the new venue for Disney's Magic Music Days. Fulton's Crab House, which is home to the original Empress Lily, is going to update its interior and exterior finishings in spring 2009. These enhancements are going to include a refreshed third-floor deck dining area, which is also going to afford Disney guests and larger private parties an additional place to have their dining experience. Next year, Wolfgang Puck's Cafe is going to update its interior furnishings and is also going to feature an enclosed glass patio, giving guests a full outdoor dining experience all year round. Now, there are additional rumors about changes and replacement venues, but I'm going to hold off until I have further confirmation of their exact status. Also, if you are a Disney Premium Annual Pass holder, beginning on September 28th after the club's close, your Premium Annual Pass is no longer obviously going to get you admission into the Pleasure Island nightclubs, but it will entitle you to a round of golf at Disney's Oak Trail Golf Course. I invite you to go over to the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. There is a thread in that forum already about the closing of the clubs. I invite you to come by, express your opinions, or call into the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. Let us know your thoughts on either the closing of the clubs in Pleasure Island or the new venues that might be coming in the next couple of years. I mentioned last week that I would have a big announcement that I'd been alluding to for the past week or so, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make the announcement this week, but here's why. Let's just say that I'm finalizing details to make the big announcement even bigger. What I can say is thank you to so many of you that emailed me this week with speculation as to what the announcement might be, and many of them were very interesting and very creative, but I do want you to know that the announcement has nothing to do with me personally. It's not about me at all. It's about you. So please bear with me one more week. I do apologize, but I think you're going to like what you hear. And I promise to next week, have all the information and details. So stay tuned.
To coincide with the upcoming release of my Adventureland Audio Guide CD, I thought it would be fun to highlight some of my favorite things in Adventureland. Not necessarily attractions or food. There are so many things that I enjoy about this land that I thought maybe I'd look at my top 10 favorites. But of course, when I talk about top 10s on the show, only one name comes to mind. Samantha Brown. But in lieu of Samantha, I have the guy who put the Tim in Top 10 with Tim. It's Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com. <laughs> How you doing, Lou? <laughs> Thanks for that wonderful introduction. I know. It's so warm and welcoming. <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate it. <laughs> I'm feeling all snuggly. <laughs> but, Tim, I- I'm so happy that I'm doing Adventureland as the next to the CD because it really is one of my favorite lands in all the Magic Kingdom. And I know it's... It's kind of like picking, you know, a, a, one specific favorite child, but there's something about the land that I think is so immersive and so different from any of the others that make me really enjoy it so much. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I feel the same way. It's actually, for most people, one of the first places you go. And I see every time I'm with somebody, that always does seem to be the first place we go. So it's nice, too, because it's a nice introduction to the whole Disney thing, you know, the immersion in different realities and that sort of thing yeah and i think it's one of the lands that really does immerse you and make you feel as though right. you are transported somewhere else so um, you're right about it it being uh sort of a good introduction and a good sort of transition land it's always where i go first i oh i know a lot of people when they get to the magic kingdom maybe bear to the right and go towards Tomorrowland or head towards frontier land and get uh, you know some of the big mountains there but I love just sort of walking to the left and wandering through Adventureland. I agree. So, There's nothing like seeing the castle the first time, but, you know. Well, that's true. So maybe it's second. Second <laughs> off the list. So. so, like we said, we're going to do a top 10, and it's really more like a top 20, because I have 10 and you have 10, and <laughs> we'll yep. see how many of them um, overlap this week. So, I have actually no idea what is on your list. So, with that being said, I will let you go first. Oh, my. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the music in Adventureland. And this is – I like – I love the music in Adventureland, but I I like to point out to people when I'm taking them in and take them on a tour and it's their first time in to pay attention to the music because, as we all know, not only is it wonderfully written and performed and all that, but it's just one of those things that – gives Disney the magic that it has no matter where you are, whether it's Adventureland, Tomorrowland or what have you. The, the music, even if you don't notice it, it's just there and it really evokes the mood and really puts you in the place, in this case, puts you in the jungle and Adventureland and that sort of thing. And the thing I would like to point out to people too is one of the things I really like going through the Magic Kingdom in particular is the transitions between the lands and that they're not harsh and they're not abrupt, that there's there's a little carryover from one land to the other. And Adventureland from Main Street is a really good example. I like to point that out to people and listen to the transition of the music from Main Street to Adventureland. Most people don't pick it up until you're across the bridge and say, do you listen to what's going on now? And they went, oh, oh my goodness, that changed. That's really cool. Um, so that's that's a fun thing I like to put out, to point out to people, and they really get a kick out of it. And uh, that is my first on my top 10 list. It's something that I almost put on my list because I agree with you 110%. And I I'm sort surprised of, you didn't have it on your list, well, actually. Well, I, I picked one specific track. That's why. But I mm. agree with you 
wholeheartedly. And again, this is something that I talk about on the guide is that transition and how important the music plays into that transition. And there's that very subtle point that you get to between the hub and the bridge where you just start to sort of get the fade in of the Adventureland beats in the background and then become so much more pronounced. And it really helps tell the story as you go through. And I love, love, love the music of Adventureland. So, but I will go to uh, to my first one on the list. And again, these are in no specific order for me. It's just sort of as they came to mind. And the first one on my list is the Jungle Cruise at Night. Actually, heck, the all of Adventureland at night. Um, <laughs> right. The torches lit over the Sunshine Tree Terrace, the crickets and the frogs chirping in the background. Again, the music. But the cruise at night has such a completely different feel to it. It's much more foreboding. And depending on when you go and your skipper, your skippers sometimes get a little bit more creative in their narration. Uh, I think the scenes take on a whole new feel. Um, especially when you're entering and exiting the temple. Uh, again, one of those attractions that I think is just very, very different at night. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I, I love the Jungle Cruise at night. I think we've talked about that before a couple times, actually. And nighttime is going to take me to my next one, and it's the Swiss Family Treehouse at night. And I thought I'd put a, point out the Swiss Family Treehouse in general anyway, because it's probably one of the most overlooked attractions, certainly in Adventureland and, and in the Magic Kingdom. Often is the time I'm walking past it and nobody's there. And I, for all the world, think it must be closed. And I walk over and say, is it open? Sure, come on in. So so I go in and enjoy myself. But touring it at night is especially magical for some of the same reasons as Jungle Cruises. As you get to the top, you really get the feeling like you are far away in a different land and the the crowd noises disappear uh, you just see lights and the and the rustling of the leaves and, and so forth and it's it, I like to just go up and and usually nobody's there and just pause and look around look at the scenes look out over Adventureland um, to me that's one of the more magical moments in Adventureland the Swiss Family Treehouse at night I agree and the views that you get from the different sort of lookout points on the treehouse I think are excellent and you make a great point about how different they are at night and mm-hmm. how quiet it is up there at night um, especially by the boys bedroom for example where you can sort of right. look out over the plaza uh, I agree with you 100% you're actually going to bring me to what was number 3 on my list which is now number 2 and that's the Swiss Polka by Buddy Baker that is the organ theme song that plays in the treehouse and there's something just so catchy, so memorable, so uplifting about this song that I think it's wonderful. It really is in and of itself one of my favorite little parts of Adventureland. You don't dance up there, do you? Okay, only at night when nobody can see me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's another reason to go at night is you can watch me dancing on uh, on the Swiss Family Treehouse. Well, if if I see a strange form gyrating up ahead of me, I'll Make an abrupt about face and go to the Look show. away. Shield your <laughs> eyes. Hide your children, please. It's a horror show. So, uh, well, for my next one, uh, I'm going to go over to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And this actually ties into something I really like that they started doing at Star Tours, uh, which is the Jedi Training Academy. But at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, they have the Jack Sparrow version of the same deal where Jack Sparrow teaches young ones how to properly uh, swing your swords, which are in reality wooden sticks, which is a very good thing. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I was there with my nephews uh, not too long ago, and they 
got to take part in it and they had an absolutely wonderful time with it. It's really great for little kids um, and a great thing to watch if you're a parent. Lots of fun. It's kind of cool to see Jack Sparrow up close. I agree. I think this is one of those things that I love that they brought into the park, these interactive experiences that the kids enjoy so much. It creates these lasting memories. It's a lot of fun. It gives you something else to do um, along the way other than having to just go to an attraction. And I'm actually going to move over to Pirates of the Caribbean as well, but on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of the loud, boisterous, interactive sword swing kind of thing. I'm going to move over to a very small courtyard that you can see as you enter the Castillo del Moro, that covered queue area before you go actually into the fortress. If you look over to the right, there's a very small courtyard there. Uh, Sometimes it's blocked off. Sometimes it's open and there are benches in there. There's uh, a fountain in there, which unfortunately doesn't work anymore. But it's a great place to sit sort of out of the way. It's very quiet. Um, You can see the second level has sort of those upstairs residences, which makes you think or believe that there are people that actually live in or around Adventureland and Caribbean Plaza. Great use of forced perspective, by the way. Uh, It's actually where the old House of Treasure shop used to exit out into. And I think it's just one of those out-of-the-way places to kind of sit and relax, watch the people go by. You can hear the Pirates of the Caribbean music in the background and sort of those one of those overlooked little hideaways in Adventureland. I love those little hideaways. Are you telling me people don't really live there, though? Because that's a surprise to me. <laughs> you know lightsabers aren't real, right? <laughs> what? You know the lightsabers at the Jedi Training Academy aren't real either. But, but... Moving, oh, al- moving along to next on your list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, mine's a little... It's, it's kind of an obvious one, but I think it's cute. and It's, it's, it's fun for uh, new people to see. Is uh, The camel at the Magic Carpets of Aladdin, of which there are several, but there's one, as veterans know, that's a little mischievous and likes to spit a little water at you. And he's fun, so I like to take the first-timers there. and Hey, photo op. All right, why don't you get under the camel? Get your picture? I'm not, I'm not, they're kind of mad at me for maybe 20 minutes or so until we get on a ride, but, but it's a lot of fun. It's silly. It's one of those little things, but it's just a little thing that puts a sparkle in your eye and it's, it's kind of a cute thing that I always like to see there. Well, far be it from my list not to contain food and how I've gone through three already with not going to food, I have no idea. And this is a snack item that might not be what you think. Uh, Across from... Zanzibar Trading Company is a very small, sort of inconspicuous little egg roll cart, which has delicious little egg rolls. But there's something else that's on the very small menu there that I love, and they're called samosa. And it's sort of an Indian snack. It's a kind of triangular pastry that's fried and filled uh, with meat, usually. They're very inexpensive and surprisingly very, very good. I love to, if I'm kind of just in between meals, grab one of the samosas or an egg roll even, a bottle of water, sit on the lava rock benches right there by the treehouse and sort of enjoy a snack and watch the people go by. And uh, again, it's one of those overlooked different types of dishes that you can get around the parks other than just hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken fingers, that if you haven't tried before, try it. You'll like it. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I love the egg rolls. I get them so all over my shirt 
Is that like, you know, put a little soy sauce on there, but that doesn't work well if you're... It's not like putting ketchup on the hot dog. It stays there. It doesn't last too well. I was curious, though, because I know the egg roll cart seems to come and go. Is it still there at this moment? It's there, or? but it's not always open, uh, depending ah, on the time of year, yeah. So my timing has been bad the last couple times, because I'm like you. I like to hit that and grab one, but sometimes the luck runs out. So, uh, um <laughs> But it's good. I'll be, I'll be sure to catch it next time. Uh, my next one is going over to the Enchanted Tiki Room, which is an old favorite for Disney veterans. Um, and I just want to point out my, my favorite scene in there, which is really a departure from the rest of the show, is the stormy scene where the Tiki gods get mad and uh, rain terror down on the audience. And it's just really neat because the outside the windows, it looks like for all the world it's storming and raining and, and the theater gets dark. But then it all gets happy and we can get up and dance and have fun again. But but that particular moment is, is a favorite of mine because um, it's kind of creepy and slow departure from the rest of it. So. I agree. I, I like it. And I think the Tiki Room is very much an overlooked attraction. And I know some people yeah. have complained about the update that took place, making it the under new management uh, in the late 90s. Uh, I like it. And again, there's so much to see. Forget about what you hear inside the Tiki Room mm-hmm. that... You should go and just kind of look around and, and take notice of the details and the props and maybe some of the things on the walls that sing and dance that you might not have noticed once before. Yeah, the strangest things break out in song inside of there. It's, it's really fun. <laughs> like the Foster family. Um, yeah! <laughs> next, uh, next on my list, I actually alluded to very quickly, and it's maybe sort of an odd choice. And uh, it's the Lava Rock Benches over by Aloha Isle. If you grab a snack from Aloha Isle, whether it be a Dole Whip or your your egg roll, go and sit by the benches that look as though they were formed out of volcanic rock. And I won't spoil for you and sort of give away some of the things I point out on the CD, but these are filled with such great detail and connection to not just the land that it's in, but the attraction that's around it. And there's so many little details that you can pick up uh, on the benches by Aloha Isle and a little bit farther down by the egg roll cart. And again, nice place just to sort of sit and relax. Uh, there is a smoking area on one side, so I kind of stay away from there. Ooh. But I, uh, yeah, I just think that they're they're cool looking and um, and it's sort of, again that great place to sit, have a snack, and enjoy sort of the ambiance uh, and the people walking by. Well, speaking of snacks at Aloha Isle, <laughs> this is me getting around to talking about food. Um, and we're talking about Aloha Isle and the Dole Whips, which are wonderful. Um, I know most people like the Dole Whips. I'm actually a pineapple float kind of guy. Um, but for those who haven't seen it, it's just a neat little stand. It, it obviously sells mostly pineapple uh, type of snacks and ice creams and floats and stuff. And it, it's just a, a neat departure. Very appropriate for Adventureland. You feel like you can't go through Adventureland until you have one of those and get you in the mood. And like I said, I'm a float guy, but a lot of people go for the Dole Whiffs. But either way, they're both delicious and uh, one of the pretty most un- more unusual and coolest snacks in the Magic Kingdom. So what you do is after you grab your egg roll or samosa, then you go over to get Aloha Isle. Right. You get your sugar fix. You're ready to go for the next eight, nine hours as you trek through uh, the Magic Kingdom. So I got another food one coming next, so save your room. <laughs> <laughs> but back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not far from the adjacent seating area to Aloha Isle is the Zanzibar Trading Company. And on the opposite side 
the Island Supply, and these two shops for me are just filled with true hidden treasures. And there's so many little details and so many little references to movies and people and different things that you could pick up. These are are shops to take time and wander through and really explore, pick things up, look around, look up on the shelves, um, look on the shelves themselves. There's there's a lot of cool things to see. Um, There's little tags on urns and there's little details and they all sort of tell a story and relate to exactly not only where they are in Adventureland, but the type of shop and the theme of the shop itself. Very cool. Um, I said, I'm, I'm keeping in the snack mode here because I'm hungry. Um, my next, but I am. I've never been able to pronounce this right. I'm going to pronounce it wrong now. <laughs> Is the L? And you got to help me, Luke. El Pirata y El Perico. Right. How's the, that sound? The pirate and the parrot. Well, I could have said that. That would have been real easy. So um, this is one of my – now, this is open very seasonally. And actually, the last few times I've been there, it's not been open. So this might fall more into my fond memory than anything else. But um, we always used to go there, the family and I, sit down, get ourselves a taco. And it was different from you know the burgers and the hot dogs and the chicken that you get everywhere else. And – it, I just enjoyed you, you. We sat out and where nobody was, we had a taco. We watched the pirate dancers going on or whoever was entertaining at the time. We'd have a bird occasionally come over and try and help themselves to my taco, which wasn't very nice, but <laughs> hey, you're at Disney. So, um, but like I said, it, it's a very sea. I, I guess it's still open seasonally. I'm not even sure of that. Lou? Yeah, it's been open yes. a lot more recently, but yeah, it is open seasonally. So, And it sometimes yeah, doesn't I, open for lunch. It might just open for dinner or vice versa. Yeah. I've had bad luck lately with it being open, but when it was open, we used to go all the time. Hopefully, we'll catch it open again. But it was a neat, neat, neat little snack you didn't really get anywhere else. One of my favorite things to eat, and I think I'm finally done with the food. So, Well, I'm going to agree with you 110%, <laughs> and it almost made my list not just for the empanadas and the tacos, but for... The theming of the restaurant itself, and mm-hmm. when it expanded back in the early 90s, it took over a lot of space behind it and to the side of it, and explore those different rooms and see the theming of the different rooms and the detail that was put in those rooms, and there's also a quiet little courtyard all the way in the back, which again is a sort of nice place to kind of get away and sit. Um, you're probably saying to yourself, do I ever ride anything in Adventureland, or am I just sitting around eating all day? <laughs> <laughs> But it's, again, one of those sort of quiet little nooks um, all the way in the back. And uh, I just love the theming of the restaurant itself. So, Yeah, right. Speaking of theming, that leads me to what's next on my list. And it's the landscaping of Adventureland. And again, more so than anywhere else, Bill Evans, who was the Imagineer who created the Adventureland landscaping for Disneyland, recreated it here in Walt Disney World. And you talk about turning the Florida swamp into... A magic kingdom. Well, turning a Florida swamp into jungles of Africa and different parts of the Polynesian islands and South America is just amazing. And and we talk about that transition from Main Street to Adventureland with the music. Well, look at the transition when it goes to the horticulture and the landscape as well, from things that are very well manicured to things that are very dense and green and overgrown. And as you walk over the bridge to Adventureland, Look straight ahead, and hopefully if there's not a lot of people there, you'll see that your view 
of all of Adventureland and the plaza really is sort of obstructed by the dense green foliage. And that's what I mean about getting that sense of being transported to a different place in a different time. Yeah, I couldn't agree. That, that, that transition right there, probably the most, I don't know, maybe the most uh, dramatic, if you will, of all the transitions to the other lands. Of course, when we do the other lands, we're going to say the same thing about those. Yeah, so I know. Who knows? But, but I do agree that, that that's a wonderful, a wonderful item. Um, I think that my next one might be the most controversial one on this list, <laughs> and it's the Pirates Bazaar gift shop outside of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, it's 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 a neat shop. It's a huge shop for those who haven't been in it, and you have to go in it if you've just gotten off Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, a particular favorite for little kids. In fact, parents warning, if you have little kids, you might want to tell them ahead of time, we have a time limit because you'll never get them out of this store between the jewelry and the swords and the guns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you snoop around, there are, there are some really, really neat items, uh, maps and flags and, and figurines and that sort of thing. Um, I say controversial because I, th- I think it's neat to walk through and it's a neat, uh, it's a very cool gift shop. But there are some who might say that well it's the Disney marketing thing and they can't get you out of the ride until you buy something and and all that sort of thing uh, which might have some merit but but if you look at it for what it is just a really neat place to explore uh, you'll get a kick out of it and there are a lot of cool things in there exactly right and I think you know you need to bypass maybe the Pirates of the Caribbean movie toys and some of the things that you can get in your local toy store or online look at some of the little again I keep using the word hidden treasures and some of the things you can only get in that store or do something fun like you know you fill the skull with with doubloons and jewels or create your own pirate hat that's something i think is very cool that both adults and kids can do when i was a kid when it was the house of treasure in that area that's now behind closed doors where the fitting rooms are i used to love going in and getting a book about pirates or my little pirate gun my little wooden gun with the metal barrel um, that, you know, now they still sell with a little orange cap on the end, of course. But right, right, right. those are the kind of souvenirs that, as a kid, I love to take away because the only place I could get it was at Walt Disney World. And you can still find a lot of those things above and beyond T-shirts and, and mugs and keychains, things like that. But this is one of those shops that has some of those unique souvenirs, those adventure and pirate-themed souvenirs, above and beyond, again, just the sort of commercial merchandise, you know, from the films. Right. So, once again, we go to opposite ends of the spectrum. You're worrying about <laughs> stuffing your face and, and uh, um, buying all kinds of stuff. I'm looking at one of the simpler elements in Adventureland, and it's the six tiki statues arranged in a semicircle across from the entrance of Magic Carpets of Aladdin on the, the upper landing by the Jungle Cruise. I, I love the fact that, again, it's this little sort of water play area I love the music that comes from the tiki. It sort of draws you in as you walk by or as you you're maybe hear it in the distance. Uh, it's simple fun. It's a great photo opportunity. Uh, you love to see sometimes the unsuspecting passerby maybe getting hit, it, getting hit with one of the shots of water. And for little kids, they can jump around and play around and cool off and maybe expend some of that excess energy after inhaling, you know, three or four Dole Whips. Yeah, they have none of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, now, now fess up, though. Have you ever sent anybody into the Tiki's unsuspectingly just to see 
what would happen to them next when the inevitable happened. Have you, you know, ever done that? Clearly, I'm not as cruel of a person as you are. Sending them I'm into not the sa- I'm not saying I did it. I'm just wondering if. Have you, you no did. soul, man? <laughs> well, you, you you remarked about seeing the unsuspecting people. I'm wondering if maybe you knew some of the unsuspecting people who didn't really trust you after that. No, but I, but I did see I did see as I was parking a stroller as my kids were going to get on Aladdin, I saw a guy who was on his BlackBerry and his kids were in tow and they were screaming and the wife was trying to do this and oh, as no. he's walking by he's trying to walk around somebody arguing I guess with somebody on the phone and he gets hit and he almost looked like he wanted ah. to go and hit one of the tikis because it interrupted <laughs> his conversation. I'm like, well, you know what? Put the BlackBerry down for five minutes and, and enjoy your time with your kids. Put your phone away. <laughs> I'm hilarious. not one to talk, so. But anyway, let's move uh, on. Oh, okay. Um, well, I think I'm not too far away from you. I'm going to be going to the Agrabah Bazaar, um, and this is more of a look and feel thing too. Uh, I just enjoy walking by magic carpets of Aladdin, walking through the bazaar. Just take a minute to look at the little details that are around. And, and it, two, two of my particular favorites are the, the torches that are lit um, and the jewels that are on the ground. And the jewels are funny because to me, I, I know what they are and I think they're obvious. But every time I do bring new people in, I have them look at the ground and, hey, what's that? And well, pick it up. And they can't and much laughter ensues. And you're I guess really, I am an you're evil really person a mean guy. <laughs> I'm never going to send anybody to tour with you. <laughs> but um, but I, I love, uh, you know, the feel of the area is, is really cool. And it's yet another example of those little attentions to detail that Disney puts together that you may not notice, but in totality that just gives you that sense of being somewhere else. And, and, um, and I really enjoy that, walking through the bazaar and seeing those things. Well, staying with the theme of being somewhere else and being transported to another place in time and one of those immersive sort of experiences, if you've heard the show before, one of my favorite Disney scene investigations that we've done was on the Jungle Cruise queue. And I think that if you take the time and look around and explore and not just see things as you walk by, but almost make you know a deliberate choice to kind of go and look for some of these things, it's filled with great details and jokes and puns and fun signs. You should listen to the radio broadcast overhead. Uh, look at the crates. Look at the boxes. See if you can identify some of the names that are on there and maybe some of the references that they, that they make. Um, I, you know, We've spent 45 minutes talking about the queue of the Jungle Cruise, and I think it's, it's that cool, and I think there's that much to actually see and enjoy there. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things I saw, well, it must be pretty obvious because it's, it's something I picked up right away, was the, the menu for the cruise mess or, or whatever it was. Where you go through all the different days with all these, I don't know whether it was snakes or giraffes or whatever, all the different food. And it was all tastes like chicken, sort of like chicken. <laughs> and then you get to the last day, chicken. Really? <laughs> chicken. So that was one of my favorite things there. That, really funny. That That is a really cool place to explore. Um, I think we're on... I'm on my last one anyway. Um, I thought for the last one I would just pick my favorite attraction moment. And there's a lot to choose from. Obviously, the the Jungle Cruise Temple, um, some of the scenes in Pirates and so forth. Um, For mine in Pirates, I, I think the most, to me, the most wow moment, especially for first timers or people that are, 
just writing it for one of the first few times, is when you, you go through the first few scenes and you take that long drop, not very long, but the, the drop down the dark tunnel, and then you emerge in this spectacular, the spectacular scene with the pirate ship laying siege to the town and the, and the cannons going off. And, and I still remember the first time I saw it. And it was, it was beyond description. Like my, my jaw was down. I just couldn't believe what I was, what I was, was looking at. It was, it was so huge. It was so big. It was so dark and magical and, and everything else. And um, that probably would rank up there as my top attraction moment. As I said, there's a lot. It's a, hard to make one decision but that's that's probably my favorite and I guess seeing as the, the other things I've done that have been evil probably would be a bad time to tell you that sometimes I like to tell people that the drop is like 52 feet and it's straight down and hang on tight <laughs> so I, I, I won't mention that and yet you write a book for kids so, <laughs> so I don't understand. The, the kids are the most fun to have have, have fun with <laughs> well I agree with you they'll give it right back to you again I agree with you 100% about getting to the bottom of the waterfall and that the way the scene opens up to you almost as a curtain as you round that corner and that breath and that expanse of seeing the wicked wench and the fort and everything else, that true immersion in the story right there, I agree, is one of the best moments. And believe it or not, Tim, one of my favorite scenes in not just that attraction, not just Adventureland, but possibly anywhere in Walt Disney World, takes place right before that. Mm-hmm. And that's in the scene called Hurricane Harbor. As you pass the beach scene, to the right you see the skeleton at the helm of the ship in the lightning and rainstorm, and simply just sort of moving his arms back and forth, even in death, sort of still steering the ship. The effects, are, are, I think, are wonderful. There's something about that scene, there's something about that, about that very simple scene that I love so, so much. And as a kid to this day, I I still find it one of the best sort of individual maybe moments in any attraction in Disney World. Oh, I I have chills up and down my spine right now thinking about it. (laughs) That's like probably 1A for me too. I agree totally. So, you know, there's so much more to enjoy and so much more that I personally enjoy. I'm sure you do. Uh, I think the land is just so rich in history and in story and in hidden treasures that I keep making reference to. Again, some of the things that I highlight, try and highlight, you know, with this segment and on the CD, because I think there's so much to do in Adventureland beyond the, the attractions, whether it's just, again, those simple pleasures like enjoying the ambiance of Adventureland. Those are some of the things that you can really sort of take your time and do as you go through. I agree. <laughs> yeah, and I say I think going for it, we'll find. I think Adventureland again is, is probably the most lush and detailed uh, of a lot of the lands. But you know, in the coming weeks and months, we'll do more of the lands, and we'll find lots of cool things in there for sure. But uh, you're right, Adventureland does just has maybe that's something a little extra that some of the other lands don't. Have. I think I feel like I'm been taken away to my most exotic place. Maybe that's the way to describe it. Like, I feel further away from the real world than, than maybe in some of the other lands. Um, especially at nighttime. That I think that and Tomorrowland are probably my f- two favorite places at night. Because uh, Tomorrowland, just because it's cool, but Adventureland, just because it changes so much. It goes from being fun and, and, and adventurous to being 
little spooky, a little creepy, and a little mysterious. And I think that transition is fantastic and one of the best, I think, in Walt Disney World. So definitely if you're there, if you're at Adventureland in the morning, go back at night. It'll be a totally different experience, and you'll see it a totally different way. And uh, hopefully enjoy yourself and not get too scared. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say, is if you go in the morning, you need to go back at night because it's a completely Mm -hmm. different experience, not just the Jungle Cruise or other attractions, but just the land itself. So... And like you said, Tim, I'm going to have you back on. We're going to do more top tens, not just about specific lands. We have a lot of other things planned. But if you have a suggestion, maybe for a top ten that you'd like to see us cover, by all means, email me at lou at wdwradio.com. You can call the voicemail or you can post it in the forums. Make sure you go and visit Tim over at guidetothemagic.com. Tim, I think you actually sort of just gave birth to to a new book or an updated version of, of your Guide to the Magic we have a little news here. Yes, the Guide to the Magic for Kids. We've uh, just gotten the updated version, which just came in. And we actually have specials running online. So if you visit guidetothemagic.com, uh, you can purchase it there at a discount, which is always great. And uh, the new book has uh, – it's basically the same as the old book for those who are familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, I said the Guide to the Magic for Kids – and it's basically a souvenir book, a photo book, an activity book, a sticker book, an autograph book, a journal. All these things rolled into one. It's filled with all kinds of cool pictures and activities and places for kids to rate attractions and fill in the memories and so forth. And in this, edi- this edition, we've updated things like the Disney Hollywood Studios, uh, Toy Story Mania, and some new things to look for in the Haunted Mansion and Spaceship Earth and Pirates of the Caribbean. Some of the things we've talked about in the past uh, – half hour, hour, whatever it's been. So very excited about it. So please come to guidetothemagic.com and you can check it out. And you've got that new section, How to Torture Your Kids in Adventureland, which is always nice. It's a bonus pullout feature. So <laughs> <laughs> That's an extra. No, it's no. not in there, of course. No, Tim, I, I told you I've been a fan of the book from the first time I saw it. And I still to this day think it is the most beautiful of any of the Walt Disney World guidebooks, and I think Guide to the Kids is almost a misnomer because yes, there's so much for adults to enjoy in the book. And it's one of those things that you can take home and read and really play with because there's a lot to do in it. So I, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. Uh, Tim, always a pleasure having you back for the top tens. And uh, I look forward to what's next on our list. Always a pleasure. I got so many ideas doing this list on what we could do for the next list. So everybody stay tuned. There'll be more cool stuff coming down the pipe. Cool. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm also I'm not sure it's, it's sunk in yet. It's, it's just been absolutely in, an incredible thing to, to be able to share with my family and my friends and, and Disney fans all over the world. I've been a, a Disney fan my entire life. I was floored. I couldn't believe that this was, was really actually happening. I know that I'm, when, I, when I go out in this position, the really neat thing about this job is it's not about me. It's about all of the dreams that I'll get the chance to see come true. And the really cool thing there is we can take other people's dreams you know with us and we can hopefully inspire the people that we know and the people we interact with to keep those dreams going 
As part of Disney's Year of a Million Dreams, they held a contest where they elected their first chief magic official, an individual whose year-long job it would be to join the Disney cast and really make dreams come true for guests in a whole new kind of way. And Justin Michoni from Seven Falls, Pennsylvania, was chosen as Disney's first CMO, and I spoke with him on the show not long ago, right after the announcement was made. But since that time, Justin's dream has really come true, and he's begun making dreams come true for others, really. So what I thought we would do is have Justin come back on, see what he's been up to, what life is like as CMO, and maybe what's ahead. So uh, cue the fanfare, as I want to welcome back Justin Michoni, CMO. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lou. It's my pleasure to be back. Thank you. Now, when you sign your name, do you put that at the end of your name like a doctor puts MD? Are you Justin Michoni, CMO? You know, I haven't yet, but that's a really good idea. I think <laughs> I think I might need some letterhead or something just so I can experiment with the uh, fonts and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I haven't done I haven't done that just yet. Listen, take full advantage of it. You're CMO. You there you go. And, you know, on all honesty, I've got 10 months of this left. I should be milking everything I can out of it, I guess. I would just be wearing T-shirts every day. Do you know who I am? I'm the CMO. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, we, we spoke, I think, not long after the announcement was made, and you were just sort of getting ready to do your first, quote-unquote, official job as CMO. Tell us what maybe that first day or that first event that you went to was like. Was it Toy Story Mania? Yes, it was. It was uh, the Toy Story Mania event uh, back in May down in at Walt Disney World, um, and it was it was incredible. I honestly, as much as they they attempted to explain to me what was going on and what the position was going to entail, um, you don't really understand until you get down there. And so, you know, my first day um, was kind of a, a whirlwind as usual, meeting a lot of faces, a lot of people from the PR and the marketing team. I got the chance to go to the costuming department and get fitted for my several shades of blue uh, polo shirts that I have and my, my khaki pants. And it, it honestly felt, um, you know, I, 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 don't know how to, I don't know how to say this without it sounding like I'm making more out of it than, than needy, but it, it felt really cool. You know, I kind of had this, like, Superman in a phone booth sort of thing, like when he takes off the suit and there's the, like when I put on that CMO shirt for the first time and, you know, and put on the Walt Disney World name tag that says Justin, you know, up there, you know, on the the left hand side of my chest, right over my heart, I said, "This is this is real. I have a I have a costume and everything. I've got my shirt. I've got my name tag. I've got my ID." And it honestly, it it hit me. I, I got I got goosebumps, and I said, "This is pretty cool. This is this is legitimate now." I, I um, get it. I, when you said that, when you said you went to costuming, I, I was smiling almost for you because I could only imagine how exciting that must have been. And like you said, getting the name tag is a big deal. Oh, it, it absolutely is, and and I I mean I defy anybody who who has been to the parks and who's who's uh, you know as as big of a fan as as you and I and and your listeners are to stand in front of a mirror you know put on a Disney you know Disney shirt that they made for you and put that name tag on and look at yourself in the mirror and not feel this overwhelming sense of just pride and kind of responsibility I mean it's 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 a really it's a really neat feeling it. Uh, it's it's one of the one of the best things I get to do when I wake up in the morning on those trips is is put on that put on that name tag and say I'm 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 Disney today I am part of the Disney experience today and it's it's pretty incredible and you hit it on the head because unlike just I, I don't want to say a regular cast member everything is done only for you you are the only one so that CMO shirt isn't getting passed around there is nobody else who's wearing that shirt but you 
No, you, you're right. There isn't, and so it, you know, with that comes a certain, uh, you know, a certain responsibility. Um, you know, and I'll, you know that when I have that shirt on and people look at it, if they know all of the contest, they're going to walk up and say, "Oh, I watched the video," or "What are you doing?" or "What's this?" Or if they haven't heard, there are going to be a lot of people with questions, and, and it's an immediate conversation starter for me to to have a chance to talk about the year of a million dreams, or talk about what's going on in the parks right now, or just to tell my own story and say, "Look, Disney dreams, man, they really do come true. It's it's absolutely possible." So, um, it's a uh, it's a really I still get, as corny as it sounds, I still get chills. Every, every morning when I'm on the job and I wake up and I get dressed and I put on the shirt and the name tag and you know, look in the mirror before I walk out the door to make sure I, I fit the Disney look for the day, um, man, I, I can't help but smile. It's, it's still a dream come true. And the great thing about this, too, is that we, like, we're so happy for you. Like When we see you in the pictures and we see what's going on, like when I met you for the first time at uh, Toy Story Mania, I was so happy to see you doing your thing and and handing all the stuff out and just meeting everybody. It's it's um I'm glad to hear that that you that you enjoy that because for me it's great to see you and to, and to meet you know the people that I listen to or that I've read you know or the, or the forums that I've visited and and the really great thing uh, I shouldn't say the really great thing one of the really great things about the Disney parks and Disney in general is that sense of community that that shared interest that passion that that brings people together and to meet anybody who shares your interest and your passion and is getting to do something really cool is is a lot of fun which is why i always you know i always enjoy talking to you but in in my position as cmo i mean i really am an average guy i'm, I'm a disney fan who goes to the parks and and who dreamed of working for disney and just happened to have that dream come true so i feel like I represent the dreams and the wishes of, of everybody who's been to the parks, everybody who's ever had that desire to work for Disney in, you know, in some capacity. So for me to meet, uh, meet you and meet other, you know, other fans and other people in the parks and, and any guest that I can have a conversation with really is, um, is a wonderful experience for me. And speaking of meeting people, you must have met even before maybe the event got started or maybe that day's event, you must have met so many great cast members and Imagineers and executives and whatnot, that just must be exciting in and of itself. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, I've read the names. I, I've, I've, you know, I own the books. I listen to the shows. I watch the DVDs. So, you know, they're all, they're all names and people that have always existed out there. It's, wow, you know, that'd be really cool. Um, and, and from, you know, from the, from the moment I got there, there's just a chance to meet People who work in the in the public relations department or the marketing you know department, um, who are always working behind the scenes to pull off the year of a million dreams. You know all of the the commercials and the campaigns and the advertising that goes with that comes from some incredibly creative people whose names you know never get out there. And then the chance um, to to meet some of the executives, to 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 hang out with Kevin Rafferty and and the team of Imagineers that you know that designed Toy Story Mania. Um, is is pretty incredible. On my most recent trip, I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves, but on our most recent trip out to Disneyland, uh, you know, since a lot of them are, are based out there, I had the chance to uh, to run into, shake hands with, and and have brief conversations with Ed Greer, who's the president of Disneyland. I got to shake Bob Iger's hand. Bob wow. Iger, the the Bob <laughs> Iger. I got to shake his hand. Uh, you know, I got to hang out. I got to spend an evening, uh, not an entire evening, you know, half an hour or so, watching a parade with John Lasseter, you know, so 
these are these are opportunities that uh, I'll absolutely never forget, and that I know would not have been possible if uh, you know if this dream hadn't come true for me. All right, let, wait, we got to stop and go back for a second because you're dropping names like Bob Iger and John Lasseter. Like you know, yeah, I was hanging out with with John Lasseter watching. <laughs> It's John. I, I don't want to be a name dropper. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean to come across that way at all. But um, it's no, a, it's, drop the names it's because. Cool. But I mean, you're forget making all the dreams. You're watching a parade in Disneyland with John Lasseter, who, for a lot of people, is you know almost the second coming. So I, I mean, what's that like when you're like, oh, Justin, come on over. I want you to meet John Lasseter. Uh, it's. I mean, it, I know. I how do you define? How do you describe enough. it? I know. No, it's there. The, he he's he was just friendly and, and kind and gracious, and um, you know he's he's a normal guy as much as you and I don't think that. Um, he was there with, with with a couple of his sons, and they were watching the parade. It was the first time that he's seen the Pixar play parade at Disney's California Adventure. Uh, he was in town for the Toy Story Mania event on Tuesday at Disney's California Adventure, so he's in town early for it on a Monday night. Um, he was watching the Pixar Play Parade. We, we were all watching the Pixar Play Parade at Disney's California Adventure. Um, as I said, he was just a, a normal guy. He was a dad. He was there with a couple of his sons. Um, this was the first time that he had um, had the chance to see this parade. And realizing that I was standing literally right next to, we were taking pictures and actually kind of looking at each other's camera saying, did you get a better shot of Dory than I did You know, as, as, you know, as the characters going down the street? And to, to stop and realize that I was next to the man who either created, invented, directed, or produced, or in some form brought life to these characters that, that are now walking down the street, dancing down the street, you know, rolling down the street in front of us, you know, from Cars and Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo, and Ratatouille, and Toy Story, um, was just remarkable. I mean, the, the creative brilliance, obviously, is something I have a huge respect for. But he couldn't possibly have been more unassuming and nice. He shook my hand. He asked questions, read my name tag, looked at my shirt, and said, CMO, tell me about that. You know, and so we, we got to talk about that for a little bit. He was more than willing to, uh, to take a picture with me after the parade was over. And um, really, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those half an hour out of your life that, um, yeah, I'm going to be telling my grandkids about someday. So I could imagine. And, and when they say, come on, Justin, I want you to meet Bob Iger. You know, what do you say? Hi, Bob. Big fan. Big fan of your work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's kind of interesting because when, when we're at these events, they're, they're all um, associated with, you know, the opening of something. On Monday, I'm going to back up just, just a second before I get to Bob Iver. On Monday, uh, they were opening the Interventions Dream Home in Tomorrowland in, in Disneyland, and it's a, it's a neat showcase for technology where they're partnering with HP and Microsoft and Lifeware, some really high-tech companies to design a, a home of the future to kind of get back to Disneyland, Tomorrowland's roots in terms of its, you know, future vision. And um, so there were, you know, people coming in to speak for that. And Ed Greer, who's the president of Disneyland, was waiting, uh, you know, off stage to, to come on and make a speech. And I was in there helping to make sure some of the executives from Microsoft and HP were getting seated for the, for the ceremony. And he happened to be standing right there. And it was Monday, the day that Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate were in a playoff in the U.S. Open. Uh, and so immediately, um, he's looking around to see if anybody knows where where things stand in, in the golf tournament. And I, fortunately, had no idea either. And walked right up and said, "Oh, are they? You know, are they still playing? What's the playoff situation?" And you know, for a few brief moments, I spoke to Ed Greer about the U.S. Open as if it was perfectly normal, as if it was something I do all of the time. Which, of course, <laughs> of course, I don't. But um, you know, it was really neat. And then on Tuesday, 
again, it's sort of just one of those happenstance things. I, I was posted near the stage helping some people to get seated before heading into the amphitheater for the actual Toy Story Mania ceremony. Um, and so a lot of the people who are going to be speaking and, and presenting were lined up there, including um, Colonel Jim Kelly, a, a NASA astronaut, um, and others, including Bob Iger, you know, were standing there, and I just kind of locked up and stuck my hand out. I recognized him. I, you know, I'd seen his picture, and I just kind of shook his hand and said, you know, it's, it's great to meet you, Bob. He said, great, same to you, Justin. And it's just... <sighs> It's kind of hard to explain because because of the culture of the Disney company and the you know expectation that you will call people by their first name and that everybody is is familiar and informal and, and comfortable with each other. It um, it's just it's a really surreal experience, I guess. I I could I I, I can't imagine what uh, what that must be like. But let's talk about the events themselves. Like you said, you you've been to the Toy Story Mania opening in Walt Disney World and Disneyland. What are those days like for you? Uh, the part of the um, the position, the CMO position, is uh, in media relations. So a good chunk of, of those days are spent um, prepping for and doing some interviews. Um, there were some TV stations in Walt Disney World um, that were doing some live shots early in the morning before the park opened, you know, where they would cut lives to a reporter on the scene, and, and they you know wanted people around to interview. I would be one of their potential interview candidates. And in California, they had a huge number of radio stations from all over the western U.S. and Mexico and Canada that came in to cover the event. And so I got to make my way around to uh, several different radio stations um, from as far away as Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Portland, Oregon, and even Vancouver, British Columbia, and, and, and all over the place, and just you know, sit down with the folks who do their morning shows or, you know, whatever time of day it happens to be. And, and they just ask questions. Hey, you know, what's going on with the CMO do? What's up with Toy Story Mania? And I get the chance to just talk and, and share my story and share the Disney, you know, experience with them. And uh, I'd have a lot of fun with that. And then for the actual events, like the grand opening ceremonies, um, I usually, at least thus far, have had some responsibility to, um, to either help people get seated, to make sure that the media who are in town for the event understand where they're to sit and, and you know, how they can find their way around. I get to work with some of the folks from guest services and special events to make sure that everyone has what they need. Um, and then for, for this one in, in Disneyland last week, um, I actually had the chance to sit right next to the, to the teleprompter and make sure nobody walked in front of it during any of the speeches <laughs> and thus had a fantastic seat, you know. <laughs> Six rows from the front, where I could see and experience, you know, the the entire thing. So I'm, I'm part media relations, part yeah, handyman, you know, whatever it is that needs done, and then part just starry-eyed fan sitting there taking it all in. Now, what about after the events are over, and maybe do you get time to walk around the park and meet and interact with guests at all? I, I do. Uh, I, I on each trip thus far, I've had the chance to spend a good chunk of time with, uh, with the Dream Squad interacting with guests in that capacity. But I also have the opportunity um, in between interviews or um, you know, before and after events to be around the park, to sort of be a, a guest services ambassador and answer questions and direct people and snap some photos and, and do, you know, do whatever it is that needs done. And, and that's part of, the, um, part of the wonderful experience when you're walking around a Disney park is that wherever you look, there's always somebody there willing to help. And just to be one of those people, just kind of standing there when you see a guest walking by with that map open and you know they have no idea where they're going 
or you know, no idea where the attraction is that they're looking for, to be able to just walk up and say, hey, can I help you find something today, um, brings a, a great smile to my face. Even something as seemingly simple as that is part of what makes it such a unique experience. So I have those opportunities, and then as I kind of hinted at, I also have the chance to spend um, the better part of a day with the Dream Squad uh, on each trip, and that's, that's a whole different level of remarkable. I can only imagine what that must be like because I just think that that is the the best job to have because, like I said at the beginning, their job is just to make people happy and to make memories. Was there something that you remember, and I'm sure there's probably a ton, one specific magical moment or memory or family that really sticks in your mind? Um, like you said, it's, it's hard to pick just one. There are several incredible ones. Um when we were in Florida, in Walt Disney World, for the Toy Story Mania event um, back in May, uh, myself and Homer, who was a member of the Dream Squad in Disney's Hollywood Studios, had the chance to pick two families to go on Toy Story Mania bright and early that morning, even before the media had had a chance to get in and ride it. Um, and, uh, and I met this, this wonderful mom and three kids from Minnesota who were in town. Um, it was their first trip there. They were. They had to leave the dad and, and one of the other kids back at back at home, um, and they were they were having a wonderful trip. But you could tell they were just a delightful family, and and getting to take them on the ride and, and be a part of that morning, get some pictures taken with them, and just see the the looks on their faces as they're walking through the queue and take trying to take it all in and seeing the you know the toys and the giant twister boards and everything you know, and the crayons and and then Mr. Potato Head and then actually seeing them watching them ride the ride and compare scores and just. That energy that comes from it, and that that special feeling of knowing that you're unique, you just did something that everybody else in the park right now wishes they could have done, um, is is just remarkable. Uh, it's it's really it's hard to explain how good that makes you feel, you know, to be a part of something like that. And then um, out in in Disneyland, just this past this past trip, um, even something as relatively simple as joining the the dream squad and handing out dream mickey ears uh you know we had a, a a prize drop as they call it we had to be at a specific location at a specific time and we had a batch of ears and the first hundred people that walked by us at that point in time got these things and to see the looks on their faces and see people you know run over with that excitement and to know that they just got a dream like even though it's Mickey ears. We didn't give them a, a huge batch of money. We didn't send them on a trip around the world. But just that special moment when, when they got something for no other reason than the fact that they were there and we want them to smile is um, a really, it's a really neat experience. And when the Dream Squad members walk away from those experiences, they're smiling. They're feeling good about themselves. I'm feeling good about it. You know, and they get to spend most of their days going around and knowing that everything they do is bringing a smile to somebody else's face, and that's just the best feeling you can get out of work. I couldn't agree with you more. I've said it since the promotion began, however long it is. It's just brilliant in because it is something simple, and it's whether it's a Mickey ear or it's a pin or it's a lanyard or it's a free balloon, it's just that little thing that you guys are able to do that make guests happy. And for all the critics of the promotion say, well, you're only getting you are getting something. You're getting that little something extra, extra special um, that I think just creates some of those lifelong memories. So I absolutely are. And for me, since I'm able to see the process from several perspectives, from the Dreams Club member, from the guest perspective, you know, as well as from the, the promotions team that comes up with the ideas, I can appreciate 
how many, literally hundreds of people within the Disney organization spend their time thinking, honestly thinking and focusing and brainstorming about how they can make you happy as a guest. And, and, to, and when you stop and think about, okay, it's not something big, but you know what? That person handed it to me. Their manager empowered them to go out and do it. You know, an executive or a supervisor or somebody in the PR and the marketing department came up with the idea and said, this would be really cool because it could make someone happy to know that that many people thought about you as a guest that actually stepped back and said, when this guest, when Lou walks into the park today, we want Lou to be happy. What would make Lou happy? Honestly, there are just an incredible number of people who spend their time thinking of, of new and creative and fun and, and neat ways to make the guest's experience that much better. And that's humbling to me, to know that I'm working with people who spend their time thinking that much about other people and how they can be happy. I'm kind of getting choked up just talking about it. I mean, it's really, it's really a humbling experience. No, and you know what? I'll quickly share a story about the Dream Squad that happened to me not too long ago. We were in Disney's Hollywood Studios coming off Toy Story Mania, actually, and we started talking to, to one of three Dream Squad members who were in the area. It wasn't a specific moment. It wasn't a, something that they were doing. We start talking. They pull us off to the side over by the Prince Caspian meet and greet. Next thing you know, we're in a circle. We're playing games. We're doing trivia games. And we're, you know, they got us back on Toy Story Mania. Then we're literally running down Sunset Boulevard. And half of us went on Tower of Terror. And half of us went on Rock and Roller Coaster. And then we came back out. And we all had ice cream in the middle of Sunset Boulevard. And just sat and chatted and laughed and played games for like an hour and it was just such an incredible experience that they didn't have to do at all i mean it was just no they didn't and it's and it's incredibly unique <coughs> to the disney parks and you're right that's not a specific dream when in the, in the grand scheme of things in the year of a million dreams if they're trying to count down whether they've gotten to a million yet ice cream for lou on sunset boulevard isn't one of them that was just a neat opportunity where they said here's somebody who's having a good time how could we make this even better how could we plus this experience for them? And so they said, boy, well, let's play a game. Let's make them feel like they have to earn this. Let's ask some trivia questions and see. Of course, they should have known with you asking trivia questions. They, no, they, they, had no I, they had no clue. They had no, <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I beg to differ. I don't think it was almost a conscious or deliberate choice to say, okay, how can we do this? They were just having such a good time playing with us. I mean, it wasn't a job to them. It was just having a good time. I mean, and that and we, we sort of walked away from the night like as friends. I mean, we hugged and said goodbye and it was just one of those incredible experiences I'll never forget. And the, the 10 Absolutely. people in our group never will forget. Absolutely. And they, when, when you go out of, of the door in the morning to, to your job and for them at some point in time, it's a job. It might not feel like it very often, but with the idea that I'm going to build relationships today, I'm going to make friends with somebody today. I'm going to make somebody smile today. I'm going to be a part of that. Your brain functions in a different way. Suddenly, having fun becomes your goal. And, and you can think creatively, and you can come up with neat games and neat ideas and things that you can do. And, and these magical moments sort of become spontaneous, and, and then they become infectious. They, they really catch on, and other people, other people pick up on the energy. And it's really, I can't speak highly enough about, about the entire Year of Million Dreams campaign and the way that I feel like the energy in the parks and with the Dream Squad and even with the guests and their expectations when they walk in the door in the morning, you know, through the turnstiles in the morning. It's just, it's, it's tangible. You can feel that, that love and that energy in the parks. You really can. I agree, and I hope it continues odd and item. But 
back to you, Mr. CMO. Can you give us maybe a hint of what might be next for you or where you're heading next? Uh, I can give you a little taste of what, the, of what I know, um, and, and I'm sure we'll have a chance to do a little promo here in a little bit, but I will get the opportunity in just a couple weeks to, uh, to be out at Magic Meets uh, near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, not as an official CMO responsibility, just as a chance for me to meet people uh, who share the same interests that I do and get the chance to tell my story a little bit, which is a great opportunity. And then in August, middle of August, I'll be headed back down to Florida for a few days. And this particular trip, um, because they're attempting to make each experience for me unique and different. They don't want me to be duplicating things. They want me to see as many things as possible. And it's, it's remarkable to me how much effort they're putting into making these trips you know, magical and special for me. Um, I will get the chance to be a part of a brainstorming session um, with some of the, the marketing team in, in Florida in August where we will get the chance to really try to cook up and answer the question, what's next? You know, after the CMO is done, what's next? Is there a new dream job? Is there some other opportunity out there? What's possible on the horizon? And it's all very open-ended at this point, but the fact that I'm going to get to see the beginning of an idea, not just the fulfillment and the end of it, you know, which my position was, I'll get the chance to see how they start an idea. And then over the course of the rest of my, my time with them, hopefully keep in touch and follow up and, and see how, a, how an idea develops from that very first brainstorm all the way through to when it becomes, you know, becomes reality. So I'm looking forward to that. And then there are still six more, I guess, trips between now and next April that will take me still to both coasts. I'll be out in Disneyland again at some point in time. And um, just a lot of excitement on the horizon. And unfortunately, a lot of details I can't give away just yet. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll continue to come back on and tell us more sort of as they happen. Uh, people can also follow what you're doing. I know you post over in the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. You have a thread. I think it's chatting with the CMO or updates from the Disney CMO. Uh, and like you said, the weekend of July 19th, you will be at Magic Meets. And I guess we're kind of announcing that here for the first time. Where Sorry, was I supposed to give that away? No, no, I think that's <laughs> No, I, I absolutely wanted to because I think it'll give people an opportunity to meet you one-on-one and talk to you some more and really kind of get to know you, you know, on a more personal level. And I think, um, I think people really yeah. are looking forward to that. That's, and that's what I'm looking forward to as well. I got into this because I was promised the chance to meet and interact with and, and build friendships with, with Disney fans. And Magic Meets is absolutely a great way to do that. I'll be out there with, uh, with, with every picture that I can find from my experiences thus far, ready to tell stories and talk to anyone who wants to listen. So I'll be there, and I can't wait to meet uh, anybody who's, who's coming out. So, well, I, I am definitely looking forward to seeing you again, and I'm real happy that you're going to be able to make it out there. Um, Justin, like I said, I, you know, when I talk about what you're doing and when I hear you talk about it, I can't help but get a little verklempt myself because... Your dreams really have come true, and you are just such the perfect choice for this position, and you are truly doing things to make magic, and I am just so happy for you and all the things that you're experiencing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means, I hope you understand how much that means to me, coming from you, coming from any Disney fan, to know that I'm representing other people's dreams and their passions um, is, is a huge honor, but especially coming from you, I have such respect for what you do, so thank you. And um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to keep hearing from me. Whether you want to or not, you're, you're stuck with me. I'll be back on your show again. Excellent. I want you to come back, and I definitely look forward to talking to you at Magic Meets. All right. Thanks a lot, Lou. I can't wait to see you there. Same here, Dustin.
Not long after I wrote my first book in 2004, I realized very quickly that giving back to the community and helping others was going to be an important part of what I did. So I start off by knowing that I was going to take a portion of my the proceeds from the sale of my book and trying to somehow give back. And after my father got sick and I spent a lot of time up at Memorial Sloan Kettering and saw kids that really needed a bit of that magic, I started the DisneyWorldTrivia.com Dream Team Project, where we wanted to work to try and help send some of those kids to a place that we all love and enjoy so much. And it's grown beyond what I ever could have expected over the years. And a big reason for that is because of an event that we hold every year, which is the charity auction at the Magic Meet event um, that we've done for the past two years. And that was really the brainchild of Pat Whitson, who is Disney Dame 2004, who suggested it and since then has coordinated it. But It wouldn't be what it has been, and last year we raised $9,000 in just a couple of hours, without the help of the countless volunteers that take so much of their time and sacrifice so much of themselves to make this happen. And actually, I'm recording this from Pat's basement, where I and six other volunteers have been down here getting ready for the Magic Meets auction that is taking place in just a couple of weeks And they have tirelessly, over the past two days, spent time down here wrapping and preparing and photographing. And before I go into talking about the auction items themselves, I wanted to say thank you to Tracy and Meg and April and Lori and Pat and Janet and everybody else that's going to be at Magic Meets because none of this would happen without you. And of course, Pat, who has been the auction coordinator and for the past three years, has <laughs> really worked tirelessly on, on making this happen and spearheading this. So first, I want to say thank you for to you and everybody else for what you guys have done. Thank you, Lou. That's very nice. Obviously, this is not a video podcast because <laughs> <laughs> tirelessly would not fit. <laughs> We've been wrapping now for uh, two days. We started about 9 a.m. this morning. It's now 10 o'clock at night, and we are <laughs> definitely not tireless. <laughs> well, considering this is like the fourth or yeah, this is about the fourth or fifth time we're actually trying to do this after the you know falling episode and Cabana Boy. References and and whatnot. So, but and that's the thing. Like you guys are having just so much fun doing this. I mean, even though you're exhausted, even though you can't even stand up anymore, and that's why it just means so much. And you know, in a couple of weeks when we get to Magic Meets, all you guys and so many more people who are going to be there spend your time not just not enjoying the day, but really working to make this auction happen. And like I said, last year we raised nine thousand, and this year, judging by the lots that we have, I can't even imagine what's going to happen. We really have some wonderful items this year. We really have beautiful, beautiful things that people have been so generous donating. And I hope everybody who attends will be just as generous in their bidding. Well, I want to give you listeners who may be coming to Magic Meeks a little bit of a preview of what might be coming. Now, Pat actually has been posting on the Dream Team blog over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. 
you can get an idea and some pictures of some of the items. But having been here, Pat, why don't you tell us maybe about one or two of the things that you really think are, are something special that people should be looking out for? Oh, there are so many. The one wonderful item donated by Sharon and Michael Brogy, uh, the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society, they've donated a one-year membership, a limited edition set of pins, and a signed copy of uh, Michael Brogy's book on the Walt Disney Railroad story. A gorgeous book that is just a, a wonderful thing for any Disney Walt Disney fan uh, to really look at. Uh, other items that we've gotten that are just spectacular, we have a pin set called Lights, Camera, Pins. It's a limited edition, uh, very limited edition pin set of uh, film strips with character pins on it that is just incredible. If you collect pins, if you just appreciate Disney art, it's something you definitely want to come and take a look at. Uh, one um, Exciting things, uh, special event things coming up, uh, the Hidden Mickeys tour with Steve Barrett. We're going to auction off a chance to be co-host of the day with Lou Mangelis. He's giggling already. Because <laughs> obviously I stutter too much. <laughs> I stumble my way along. Um, I'm not bidding on that one. Uh, the <laughs> off, yeah, co-host, uh, of co-host for a day on the Walt Disney World. Uh. It's called the WDW radio show. Just, yeah, you know. I know you do so many of these interviews a week. That's fine. Let's all keep going. Uh, we have a complete custom scrapbook that's going to be donated by um, SNS Papercrafts, Sugar and Spice Papercrafts, April Baker's company. Uh, take your you love scrapbooking. Never have the time. She will make a complete twenty-page custom scrapbook for you. That is something that is uh, a wonderful opportunity to bid on from there. Uh, and, of course, the uh, top icing on the cake, you can bid to get two magic passes to the 2009 Magic Meets. That will get you... Yeah. Guarantee gar- 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 your admission, even if the event is sold out in uh, 24 minutes. Wow. Now, what about... Now, you guys, like I said, you've been rapping the whole time. I'm sure, like me, you've got a couple of things that you have your eyes on. What are maybe some of your favorite items that that you like to personally bid on? What do you think would really interest people? Well, I'm I'm keeping my eye on. There's an Adirondack sort of chair that has the country bears in it. All the country bear beanie babies. They are very very cute. Cool. Keep my wife and kids away from that one. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Disney art, and there's a ton of litho sets that I'm just dying to get my hands on. I want the movie night basket with the popcorn bucket and the chocolate and the movies. And yeah, that's all. I'm on that. So nobody wants to bid on co host for a day? Oh, I'm on that. I got a dime. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, there's a a good question. Is it with or without Cabana Boy? (laughs) We have pictures. You can write too. <laughs> and for a twenty dollar donation, photos not included. I'll send you the photos. Uh, it's all fun and games, girls. Until 
lot of money is raised. Yeah, and that, yeah. you know what? That's the thing. I mean, this is this is all about obviously having a good time and raising money. Like I said, nine thousand dollars last year was so far above and beyond what I ever could have expected. I don't even want to begin to think about what might happen this year. But uh, something else we were thinking about doing too is for those people who couldn't go to Magic Meets or couldn't get the time off or couldn't get into Magic Meets who may want to help out or contribute or donate. What you can do is anytime, and certainly during the Magic Meets presentation, you can actually go to firstgiving.com slash DWT Dream Team. We'll put a link in this week's show notes. You could make a donation right there through First Giving. All that money goes to Make-A-Wish Foundation of America, and obviously anything from the smallest donation uh, helps to go a long way. So, again, everyone who's here, everybody who's helping out at Magic Meets, everyone else who has made or will make a donation in the future, I can't thank you enough. And, uh, you know, this isn't about me. This is about the people that you help, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. You can cry. <laughs> I have to thank all my wonderful volunteers. They have been outstanding helping me from all hours and uh, for months now on end. And I can't thank my volunteers enough for all the hard work. I can't thank all the people who've donated items, who have made uh, sponsorships for us and who are going to come and bid on the meets. We thank you all so much. Yeah, this was not about this weekend. This has been going on for the past 12 months. So thank you to everybody, and uh, see you guys at Magic Meets. And a congaloosh to us all. (laughs) (laughs) Cabana boy. Cabana boy. That's all the time we have this week. I want to say thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Also, thanks to Justin, Tim, Pat, and all of the volunteers for the Dream Team Project. I'm going to put links to everything I discussed in this week's show notes over at WDWRadio.com. There, you're also going to find exclusive specials from some of my partners, including $50 off Owner's Locker, a free rental car, and $50 gas card when you stay at an all-star vacation home, and, of course, for the best possible advice service, and of course prices when planning your next vacation to Walt Disney World, visit Mouse Fan Travel and let them know you heard about them on the show. As I said last week, I'm now taking pre-orders for the Adventureland Audio Guide to Walt Disney World CD, and if you order the CD before July 12th, you can save $1 off the $9.99 price. Now, if you order Main Street USA and Adventureland together, you can save $1 off Main Street as well. For more information, you can visit the shopping page over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. There you'll also find a video teaser for Main Street USA. Look for one for Adventureland coming soon. Also look for the downloadable version of Adventureland to be coming very, very soon as well. And again, look for a special announcement next week to celebrate the release of the guide. If you have a question that you want answered, a segment suggestion, or anything else you'd like to share, please email me at Lou at WDWRadio.com or call the voicemail and be on the air at 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. You can call with comments, questions, or just to say hello. And to comment or talk about anything on the show with other listeners, visit the WDW Radio forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. As always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Have a great week, and thanks for tuning in once again. See ya.
Hi, Lou. Uh, it's Corey from New Orleans. Uh, I was calling in with a suggestion. Um, on your show 71, you had the guy guy's uh, email about going to Disney World in October and going to the uh, Halloween party, and he had trouble with the park hopper. Um, one option he can do, uh, it's something that we do every time we go down, whether we're going for the Pirate and Princess party, the uh, Halloween party, or the Christmas party, whatever day we decide to go to the, the party, we usually do Animal Kingdom on that day. Since the park usually closes around 5 o'clock, uh, we'll get out of there at 5, go back to our room, uh, put the kids in their costumes, uh, grab, grab dinner at the hotel, and make it to the Magic Kingdom for 7 o'clock. Um, it usually works out really good for us, and it gives us something to do the night that we're at Animal Kingdom. Um, I mean, we don't have to get park hoppers. Uh, another thing, you know, you were talking about the new Star Wars ride. Uh, I would hope to see possibly in the new Star Wars ride, they use uh, 3D, 3D glasses, uh, maybe even have the whole thing themed uh, to the CGI uh, Attack of the Clones movie that's getting ready to come out, you know? They just did the CGI uh, ride through in 3D for Toy Story Mania. They can do it at the Star Wars ride. Uh, anyway, love the show. Keep up the good work. Bye.